Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a little hard. Hey, buddy. We're, I mean, we're going back in time to do this. <laughs> little fun fact, everybody. Head Hart and I are recording this intro, but we actually already recorded the episode. Oh, and what an episode. And Dude. I'm literally changed forever. Really? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of think so. I, I feel that way. I feel, I'm so just feel so alive it's like i don't even want to record an intro right now because i'm so excited for people to hear from our guest today who is literally andy Pudukum, the co-founder of headspace don't know how we got him don't know how don't we did know it how we got him i literally i bumped into him at the obama summit foundation blah blah blah. Oh, blah, blah there we go but <laughs> i didn't think he'd i mean i was like how how did this actually happen so i don't know if you guys heard of him obama obama <laughs> obama but that being said wow i just think it is so incredible that we have the chance to talk to someone who has had uh just truly a profound impact on my life and the lives of many many others get ready to listen to the sweet sweet voice <laughs> of andy Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by, uh, you know, I would say like mindfulness extraordinaire, world changer. I'm trying to think of all Goodness the things me. I um, could say. Way too generous already. It, a pedestal on a pedestal. Um, Andy the Mandy. What, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, I, I, I pronounce it Puddicum. But since living in America for a little while, I've become used to people pronouncing it in many different ways. And I'm quite okay with that. What's your... I did not know... Well, first of all, I did not know you had a last name until yesterday. <laughs> I just thought you were Andy. Hi, I'm Andy. <laughs> and welcome to... <laughs> oh, yeah. this is so but surreal. But then I saw that your last name was Puddicum. And Puddicum. I was like, that's the most English name in the world. <laughs> it's true. It is very, very English. So I occasionally... I think my favorite was on NPR where um, you said we've got Andy Puddicombi. That's Ooh. probably my favorite. Puddicombi. So Puddicombi. I was thinking that yeah. your favorite would be Puddycomb. You know, you probably get a lot of Puddycomb. <laughs> Quite a lot of that. <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Well, luckily, I, I have an English roommate who schooled me. She was like, it's probably Puddycomb. And I was uh, like, right. oh, no. It's not pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just realized that I've done my fiance a terrible disservice because I did not remember to tell her you were here today. And uh, she does your new exercise. Uh, okay, so uh, um, Andy's the founder of Headspace, everybody. Uh, my favorite mindfulness app. If you have been listening at all or following anything that I've been doing for the last seven years, uh, you'll know when I discovered Headspace and the impact it's had on my life. Ella uses it to work out. She's doing the okay. exercise coach yeah. Yeah. Uh, aspect. And it's wild. It's really restructured the way she thinks about running That's specifically. Right. Yeah. I did not know you guys had is it, workouts. Is, is she doing the Nike runs or is she doing the the sports kind of the, vertical within Headspace? Do she's you know? doing the one where you talk about how running apparently shouldn't hurt. Okay. 
which I, was new to me. Yeah. I don't. I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't run. I, I don't believe in running. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've done. That we started our our sports stuff was some of the earliest stuff we did. We actually started um, our sports stuff before we had an app in 2011 with some of the um, British Olympic team getting ready for London 2012. So we started really early on, and then post 2012, they did pretty well mm. and so we work with their sports psychologists to develop a whole range of kind of sports content mm. um yeah and that kind of became a thing and it's a real thing i mean it's been pretty impressive because she's been doing it for like the last two weeks i think and she's gone from she can now run like a two minute mile like no in, wait, 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 sorry, wait. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yep. we'll, we'll, we'll take the credit for that yeah sure yeah that was all headspace that she- was all headspace <laughs> Um, she is now running uh, two miles every day. Okay. okay. And That's great. it doesn't hurt, which yeah. is crazy because I've always thought of exercise. And, you know, I don't know why I'm starting from here, but I've always thought of like exercise and running as something that inherently should. Is there yeah, anything yeah, we need? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, do you know, I, I love, in a way, I love that we start here because I, I think it completely dispels this myth that mindfulness is just about sitting down with our eyes closed you know when it can be incorporated into any aspect of life whether it is running whether it is eating whether whatever it is kind of in our relationships there is a place for mindfulness so actually really i I love that people find it in the places where they are yeah exactly you know and maybe eventually they come to sit down with their eyes closed but it kind of doesn't matter if they don't yeah Yeah. okay so we had a plan hannah do you want to start with we've been so excited about you kevin (laughs) yes we are you guys need to get out more really i mean (laughs) you really if i if i'm i've met obama twice okay i get out plenty that was nothing Uh, well i was just i'm so curious because maybe everyone already knows this but i was watching one of your ted talks and you said in my 20s a series of events happened and they yeah. really forced me to feel all these feelings and people deal with those things in different ways. Some people yeah. drink, some people go to family. I became a monk. And then yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like probably people think about becoming a monk, but like, yeah. how did you, it must've been a, you know, I don't want to pry, but I feel like yeah. you must've been very pushed very far to like take such an extreme yeah. step. Do you know what? So first of all, don't be shy about prying. I, I, I have no secrets, and I, you can ask me anything anything you like. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah, really. <laughs> awesome. I mean, anything. Um, and so I think there's two, there's two parts to it. So there's the becoming the monk bit. So it wasn't completely kind of like left field. So I'd, I'd been introduced to meditation really young, uh, like 10 it. or 11. So I'd done a few but years through, of it. By who? Through my mum. So my mum was going through a divorce and kind of looking for ways to cope and as kids we didn't want to be left at home on our own so we went along and I really liked it kind of even at at that age and so I did it for a few years and then it sort of fell away Mm -hmm. wow god bless your mom I know she's (laughs) amazing she didn't just have a series of nervous breakdowns I mean she tried I mean she (laughs) she gave it a really good effort and then she was like actually I don't know if I can look after the kids and have a nervous breakdown and keep my job so she went the meditation route instead good and it really helped her and she ended up kind of working in stress management and kind of becoming a therapist and everything else and so it was always kind of around that sort of stuff and then um yeah just i think also at university when i made the decision to to quit uni I was going out with a girl who was kind of really into Buddhism and she was always talking about these monks and nuns at the top of the mountains and they were so peaceful and so you became a monk for a girl. <laughs> well, 
well, this this was kind of the irony. She 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 spent a lot of time telling me about it, and then I was like, actually, that's a really good idea. By the way, this relationship it's over. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to the Himalayas. So um, it was kind of yeah, it was um, it was a strange turn of events, but it was um, it was a kind of a build up, I'd say, an accumulation of stuff, and and I think to 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 your point like there has to be something that pushes you to get you to that point i don't think many people are kind of getting excited about going to become a monk or a nun a few maybe <laughs> but i think it is a real it's a real kind of calling thing when when it happens you know and i didn't have a pros and cons list of should i be a monk or not like i just felt it so strongly one day that there was nothing I honestly felt like I had no choice. I kind of mm. I had to do wow. it. Now, what were you studying? What did you go to university to study? Um, I went to study sports science. Oh, <laughs> whoa! Oh, yeah. Three sixty full circle. Am I psychic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went to study sports science. Yeah, so I was working as a personal trainer. I was competing as a gymnast, and I was studying sports science. Wow. So, like, my whole life revol- revolved around kind of the body and sports and physical health. I guess as we kind of have thought about it for a long time, but not really kind of the brain and mm. the mind and, and that aspect of health. And so it was really interesting to be in, in a world where there was so much focus on health, but actually like... No application of a holistic exactly. approach. No, nothing it. at all. In fact, many of the people were really unhealthy, mm. myself included, you know, kind of, um, I think mentally kind of not very resilient. Um, and not really kind of with the tools and techniques to to cope with the difficulties and, and challenges in life. Was it odd to hear your girlfriend discussing <laughs> a life of celibacy? Uh, just so just like encouraging. Like I know, you know what I think you would really love? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not me. It's you. Yeah, yeah. no, I am. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never saw it like that. Oh, good. That's she wasn't. Um, I mean, obviously, she was encouraging me to do it. She was just <laughs> these ideas, these mm. philosophies, the way of. I can't remember what it. What was all the rage about? This is a long time ago. It was like Zen and the art of. I don't know. Was it motorcycle maintenance oh, or something like yeah. way back when? You know. Um, it's before so funny cars those and fads, stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, it's like the participation in like, like I feel like self-help and healthfulness and mind-body yeah. stuff is such a big quote-unquote fad right now that it, it kind of, you know, I hope it's a trend more than a fad. That's well, what I hope. Do you know, it, you'd say it's a fad, but it's been around for about 3,000 years. So <gasps> the, a, the, <laughs> the application as a construct in totally. capitalistic society yeah. is the fad. <laughs> no, but for me, that's really interesting. And it's not because it, it's faddish in the sense that it's suddenly become popular. But in terms of we're all human beings and for as long as human beings have been around, we've struggled with the mind and we've struggled with our relationships and we've always needed these skills it's just how they evolve and they look and they feel like that's so different mm. now mm. you know and even in the last there was a i can't remember i think it was cnbc or something about a week ago brought out this report that in the i don't remember the percentages but in the the last sort of six years or so like the adoption of meditation and now i think 1.5 americans in every 10 have tried meditation like yeah. it's huge it's changed mm-hmm. massively so mm-hmm. as someone who kind of set out to to kind of try and be a part of that change that's really exciting to, yeah. to yeah. see i'm i'm like a little sad because i feel like it's partially been adopted because people are like <laughs> when people are more relaxed they help us make more money 
But yeah. I feel like no, any way it can be introduced is, is good. <laughs> Which is kind of, you know, for those that don't know, for those who aren't obsessed with... it could become quite a thing in like the corporate world as well. For sure. It, yeah. For sure. For those of you that uh, are listening and maybe aren't familiar with Headspace, haven't tried it and haven't heard me wax on and on and on about it, <laughs> uh, just uh, to sum it up, you the, the crux of Headspace is to make it accessible to whatever style of life you're living i mean how yeah. would you what's your what's your elevator pitch for you know, i don't i'm sure we have one to begin with i don't i don't really have one anymore you know i look, i we just want to meet people where they are and help to improve the health and happiness of their of their life and and right now we're doing that primarily through meditation and mindfulness but slowly as we kind of you know we're doing it in sleep now as well and giving oh, people yeah. the tools they need for sleep and in sport so i think that will kind of continue to continue to to broaden out but it is pretty surreal to hear someone who um, does has. I have heard your voice while falling asleep on the road many times, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I always fall asleep at my knees. Uh, yeah. You know when we go yeah, through yeah, the body, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you know my journey with Headspace as an app. I, I was always someone that was like really kind of like I, I couldn't get meditation, like that yeah. sinking into it thing. That the whole like it's not about stopping thoughts yeah. was very confusing yeah. you know mm-hmm. and i was going through a crisis in my life and um, my sister was a huge huge user of the app and i started using it specifically just with the acceptance pack yeah i started with the acceptance pack and i did the entire thing i got to right. 20 minutes and blah, blah 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 and not only did the structure of it make me as a a gamified person i found it really great like ooh, i have to do 10 days to unlock blah yeah. blah blah that yeah. really brought me in but being able to actually see that I had been making progress. I was like, oh, I can meditate for more than five minutes. Yeah. Weird. Oh, I can't meditate for 10. Weird. Um, it was. It just made it so approachable. And it was just such a gift, you know? That's that's great to hear. And, you know, I've said this a lot, but it's, it comes down to my teachers and the way that they kind of share the information with me. I'm just sharing kind of what, what I learned from them. And it comes down to co-founder um and my my good friend rich who kind of rich yeah (laughs) that's who spoke at the google thing oh that yeah that was that sounds that that sounds sounds more right that That sounds sounds more like rich yes okay um i'm normally hiding in the studio and um rich is um i just think he's got such a we got together about 10 years ago um to to start headspace and he's just got this amazing way of bringing a tone and uh kind of a language a look and a feel you know to to the brand and um him and the design team have just done a, an amazing job of making you know reducing a lot of those barriers and making it feel like really accessible i think mm. hannah i want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to ask any number of questions <laughs> you can talk amongst yourselves while okay while okay. you while you think about it uh, well, uh, i just really have no idea what it even means to become a monk yeah great question have you ever have you ever have either of you ever thought about going away to become a nun? I mean uh I would uh Does it appeal in any way, shape or form? Oh yeah. Seriously, I'm, I will I will get you a good deal. I, mean, I will living in a living in a quiet place. I th- being yeah. quiet, that that does appeal. I've thought about the thirty day thing a lot. Okay. You know, where'd you just go somewhere for 30 days? Yeah. And I've gone for 30 days without sex. And let me tell you. Okay, well. <laughs> not a problem. Even longer sometimes. <laughs> so clearly the celibacy part is one aspect of monasticism. I mean, it's maybe not the only, but 
It is a particularly challenging part, especially yeah. if you go at a very early age, I think. So you can't, like, do anything? Sorry, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, nothing. That would really, oh. I don't know, man. That, I think, would be the hardest part but for I think, me. Well, yeah. but I gosh, mean, but that, you know what that means? It means you would learn so much by not doing it, don't you think? Oh, God. I bet, like, is there anyone there to talk? Like, here's my question. <laughs> to talk to you about that kind of thing? Do you yeah. have the internet? Yeah. The, the, like a support, no internet. A Definitely no internet. For people that are like, I'm going to go to a retreat. I'm going to go do monkey stuff, monkey-esque yeah. stuff. Uh, but then like, I mean, I just feel really scared of it because I yeah. once asked my therapist about going to like a silent retreat. Yeah. And um, I was like, I think I might. Like a 10 day or Like a 10 day, like yeah. A, yeah. And she was like, you cannot go do that right now. Yeah, so I, I really, I get a bit nervous about kind of some of these things that are on offer out there because I've spoken to so many people who've gone and, you know, lots of people who've had a good experience, but also lots of people who have a really bad experience. And I always think... It's with, powerful stuff. It's really powerful stuff. And most people just have never sat with their mind, you know? So it's a really big ask to sit there in silence every day for 10 days. I always say to people, like, try a day. Just try a day. Mm-hmm. And then maybe do a weekend retreat then do a five-day retreat and our teachers would always kind of say to us you know people would always come and visit the monastery and they put up their hands and say hey i want to be a monk i want to be a nun and teacher would always say well maybe learn to swim before you kind of jump in the deep end of the pool you know and i think that's good good advice you don't want to go in too deep not not too deep you know (laughs) and it is and look it's a very um you know i don't want to put down retreat because obviously retreat's an amazing opportunity and if you have the, the opportunity to to slowly build it up, that's that's great. But I do think to become a monk or a nun, at that stage, you've kind of already done some retreat. You've done a little bit of reading and investigating <laughs> and exploring, and you're fairly kind of... You probably of, didn't just wander in you have a fair knock on the door. What was that movie with Brad yeah. Pitt? Something Seven in- years in Tibet? <laughs> Where yeah. he was like, oops. Yeah. I'm Is a that monk. <laughs> I was just hiking in the Himalayas. I and I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just pop around for some coffee and really no, what appealed yeah. to me was the portion control those tiny bowls I'm ready yeah. <laughs> you do actually do you know the the food thing is it is an intro it's a really big shift to not have access to eat what you want when you want so you have as a as a monk you eat um you don't eat anything after midday so you have breakfast at five and lunch at 11 and then that's it and depending on the country that you're in like so in Burma have like rice and curried vegetables for breakfast and for lunch um in the tibetan monasteries you have sort of some butter tea and some sort of bit of porridge and stuff like oatmeal but it's not it's probably not the most it's definitely not la living no one's <laughs> no no one's sipping kale juice what about um, the yeah. avocado toast i asked it never came <laughs> oh wow i took it as a lesson so you're in saying patience. the service is bad you know the service oh, is terrible <laughs> the lesson um, in patience yeah yeah no, it's I, you don't realize how much of your life I get like because then let's think let's think about it this way if you're going and you start adjusting your body's chemistry in that way too like yeah. you're detoxing effectively Absolutely. and that could bring up a whole sim- like withdrawal and everything that could come yeah. up from that I have a question yeah. sure do you think there are some people who are just born and meditation is just not for them Ooh. Shit. Like they just can't. Yeah. Like, are there people who really just like cannot go in? Not like it's a bad thing. Yeah, just, like, not having met way. all nine billion. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so having met everybody on the planet, <laughs> I, th- I would say, look, I, I think from a from a clinical point of view, it's the um, people who are experiencing sort of some degree of psychosis. I think in in that 
kind of area I think is really challenging mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't suggest people do it without kind of the help um, of a health professional of some kind. Outside of that, I've yet to meet any. I have. I met one. I did meet one guy, um, and he had. Uh, he was a very elderly chap who had a nervous disorder, and he quite simply couldn't sit still. His body was constantly kind of mm. twitching, and so he was because his body kind of couldn't be still for mm. even like a few seconds. He found it really hard to to do that. But I would say everybody else can, and I think it's a matter of framing, mm-hmm. and it might be two seconds for me that's not a failed meditation that's a great meditation it's a good place to kind of start you know like (laughs) it does not you don't doesn't you don't have to start at a certain kind of point when i left the monastery i always thought that you had to do at least an hour or at least four hours or whatever to make it worthwhile you know you've taken all that time to sit down you might as well at least kind of sit there for a while and actually turns out loads of people get benefit from doing five, 10 minutes a day in way more so than I would ever have imagined. So I've really changed my perspective on that. And I think if someone can't sit up straight, get them lying down on the floor. If they can't do five minutes, get them doing one minute. You know, and we're working with children as young as kind of three or four doing this stuff. And I really think if they can, if they can do it, the rest of us have a shot too. Wow, I didn't know you were working with kids so young. With kids, That's great. Yeah. That's so great. Oh my gosh. I meditate for They're four gonna four be like superhuman. <laughs> yeah. How was the longest you ever meditated or stayed in a meditative state? Um, there's not a lot of competitive meditation. There's not things. okay. Um in uh, Jeez, but, uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> like the Spartan so, <laughs> like those mud run competitions exactly. that was the head face. <laughs> like, I mean I think so in um in in uh in a retreat context, so in again in, in Burma you do about um, 18 hours a day so you do nine hours sitting nine hours walking and they alternate throughout the day and then in the tibetan tradition you normally do sort of three or four hours at a time so probably like sitting down still probably something like sort of four hours or something like that but mm. it's it's Whoa. less about it's less about the the sort of the quantity and it's mm. more about the quality because i could have been sitting there just thinking about stuff all the favorite <laughs> no, movies that i watch and no one would know <laughs> it's in my head right so <laughs> You know, it's more about can you can you kind of sit there with sustained attention and awareness and an open kind of mind and doing it for the benefit of all sentient beings? Like that's that's far more important than how long you sit there for. Did you the when you went of all sentient beings? Uh, it's, that's beautiful. Uh, it's a nice intention. Whether yeah. where, whether we all start there is a different. Yeah, um, you know. my oh, intention God, is. Yes. Yeah, I have this one um, book on mindfulness, and it says. You know, start with yourself, and then someone you love, and then someone you're like, and that's right, and then someone you, you really crazy. don't like. Yeah. And I'm always like, mm, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah. I, it's interesting because it's uh, when you when you went and started living the monastic life. Mm. Um, did you when you went? Did you plan on coming back? Was that a question that you were debating? Like, yeah, it's a good question. I don't think I'd got that far. I'm quite impulsive. Um, that's probably been moderated somewhat by living that lifestyle. Um, But I I think I'm a little bit kind of all or nothing. So I probably went with the intention to do it for life. And I would say even up until quite late. So as a monk, you you don't necessarily do it for life. You can take sort of certain commitments. In the Tibetan tradition I was studying at the time, you can do, I think it was one year, three years or life uh, you take a commitment for. And I'd come to the end of one commitment, I was going to take another commitment. And I Genuinely, the night before, I remember sitting down with one of my teachers 
and saying, I just don't know whether to do three years or life, because there's a really big difference between the two, right? I mean, like, yeah. massive difference. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, I, in the end, I said, you know what, I'm going to leave it, I'm going to leave it up to the, so the, the guy who was doing the ordination, I really had a huge amount of kind of trust in, in him, and I kind of had a sense that he maybe knew my mind better than I did, mm. so I just left it up to him. And he said, oh, I think you should do three years and then see how you feel. Ooh, I'm sorry. really happy <laughs> that, that, that he went that way. Um, Roll the dice. <laughs> Roll the dice. I think many people have greatly mm-hmm. benefited from you not doing it for yeah. quote, unquote, life. <laughs> yes. Wow. Including your children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what kind of Buddhism or because yeah. I know there's different strains, different types, like styles of meditation. So what did there you are. learn or practice through all that time? So I started I the first five years. I really focused and it was important to say I wasn't a monk for 10 years. Kind of like you, you train first as a lay person, then as a novice monk. And then you sort of you build up to taking full ordination. Uh, for the first five years, I was kind of studying um, the Burmese tradition, which is Theravadan Buddhism. It's kind of easy way to think about it. It's the orange robes. Mm. If you just think ah. about like Thailand, <laughs> Sri Lanka, mm. Cambodia, Vietnam, those kind of that. So that tradition. And the focus is very much on um, developing a, a foundation of um, concentration and awareness, but also sort of loving kindness. So they try and kind of, um, it's, it's quite a, um, it's quite a specific environment. There's not a lot of joking around, <laughs> you know, it's not that I was looking for that from mm, a monastery, mm. but I was hoping for a little more joking around. I'm glad you told me that. I'll cross that off the list because I feel like... Yeah, because what about hugging? <laughs> there was definitely no... What, apart from anything else, I mean, this won't work kind of over voice, but imagine mindful hugging. You I'm moving the speed slow. of a sloth right yeah, now, by the way, just in slow. case. Yeah, it'd be very, very slow. It would the, take half a day. Oh, man, like, the, th- I, I yeah. think that that would, like... I, I just... I think that that's what, like, scares me or, like... You know, obviously the curiosity and the intrigue is yeah. the, more than the curiosity, the pull, like compelled yeah. to do it. Yeah. But I don't know enough that if enough of my own personalness has been, I guess, processed enough that I could, it's exactly what you said about, you know, learn to swim before you yeah. jump into the deep end of a pool. Yeah. Because comfort is very important to me. Like I yeah. love to hug. I, I get it and, and and I I do too and and I and I think over there were aspects of that training that I really liked and I really admired and I mean it's an incredible thing kind of just being there as part of this 2500 year old kind of tradition right. you know um but what I found when I went to the Tibetan monastery was actually there was there was a, there was a little bit of hugging, not a lot of hugging as a as a monk or a nun, but it was a little bit. But there was more than that. There was a lot of warmth. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of laughter, and because the Dalai Lama smiling in a lot of I pics, he <laughs> looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that one's right and one's wrong. I just think they appeal to different types of of people. I'm really happy I started with what I did because that's a re- it's it's a it's a much easier kind of set of techniques to bring into a secular kind of world mm. but without that tibetan kind of framing of playfulness of joy of warmth of compassion and all that other stuff i think it's it headspace definitely wouldn't be kind of what it is and, and for me that's a really big part of the journey yeah uh, oh well okay that kind of leads into my next question yeah okay so i struggle very much with compassion for myself so i was just wondering do you think 
if a person who doesn't even really like go to therapy or learn much about uh, like thoughts and thinking or whatever, if they mm-hmm. start meditating, does that just like arise naturally? Or self-compassion? Yeah. I think in time it does. I think Headspace has a compassion pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't come with any guarantees. I'm like thinking, <laughs> if I sit down. Yeah. If I sat down like every day for 30 days and the whole time I was just like, oh, I hate myself. Yeah. Would that be good? Or would I need to kind of... Well, the, so the, the, the first thing, that's that's a thought, right? So mm-hmm. so I think a, a big part of kind of framing meditation is understanding kind of what's thinking and what's not thinking. And we live in the world of thought, the world of distraction. So that's what we're used to. And to begin with, when we start meditating, we're not only thinking about all our everyday stuff, we're also thinking about the technique itself and about ourselves. So we might be thinking, am I doing this right? Is this going well? Is that a thought? I'm thinking I'm supposed to be meditating and we Oops, kind of get so into one of those. So then we're just thinking about thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in a similar way, when it comes to self-compassion, we might to begin with think, oh, I really don't, oh, I'm hopeless at this. Or we might start giving ourselves a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And then over a few days, we start to see, oh, hold on, but that's thinking as well. Okay, we let it go. And so it's more about not sort of going against those thoughts, but just recognizing that we have thoughts that we might like about ourselves, we have thoughts that we might not like about ourselves. Ultimately, it doesn't matter whether the thoughts are good or bad, pleasant or unpleasant. If we can train ourselves to allow thoughts to just come and go, Mm -hmm. then we are in a position of real freedom where we don't fear the scary thoughts. We don't get excited about the happy thoughts. We're okay, just content with the mind as it is in this moment. Whoa. It's interesting because I feel like <laughs> a lot of preconceptions, there's two preconceptions that I feel like, preconceptions, misconceptions yeah. that come when, uh, and again, I haven't been meditating for a minute and I really need to and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a huge advocate, obviously, but just in, in uh, the in the reality or in, to be to be honest it's like i've fallen out of practice yep. and i know it every day and i feel yep. it every day yep. and i slowly feel myself kind of shrinking back in yep. uh, i said just the other day to my therapist i was like i just need more space between my cells i don't have enough room in my yeah. body and like that and like i'm just like i'm saturated yeah. And I know what I need to do to create space between my cells to yeah. create room in my body so there's two things I hear a lot from people that kind of are pushing back against meditation. One is the expectation of countermeasures, uh-huh. meaning that you like you brought up of like, well, if I'm thinking less than compassionate thoughts, is it just like I need to think good thoughts? And it's yeah. like, oh, it's not about yeah. what kind of thoughts you're thinking. It's about the uh, acceptance. It's about just knowing that there's both all the time. Yeah. And the other one is, and I'm totally going to throw Hannah Gelb under the bus because <laughs> I'm your best friend and I can. Where's this going? Well, you have a huge fear of losing your personality. Ah, uh, yes. That's a, I think that's a re- it's really valid and really common, actually. Mm-hmm. You talk, know, I, I, talk about that. Yeah. Also, this is like, yeah. this just goes to show how crazy we are, I think, as a society. Because sometimes I'll be up in the morning, I have to get up really early for work. And I'll be like, you know, I could meditate for five minutes. And then I'm like, five minutes? I don't have that kind of time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? I don't have five minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. To change, potentially, not change the course of your day, but to feel more, to feel more yeah. of your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a really, it's a really counterintuitive thing. And, and that's the, that's the, 
I guess that's the tricky part because it's the mind, it's the thinking mind that's thinking that because <laughs> it wants to stay thinking and involved and kind of interested in in that stuff exactly and so it's kind of I always think that about sort of um you know we're talking about sports earlier there's a really interesting kind of thing for me around um sports and awareness so for example you wake up in the morning if you're like do I feel like going for a run today no not really okay buy into the thought go back to sleep you wake up same thought arises I don't feel like going for a run today oh thinking let it go, put on your trainers, go for a run. Like we don't, we're not kind of, we don't have to be slaves to our, our thoughts. So even if the thought arises in our mind, kind of, I don't have five minutes. Oh yeah, thinking, mm-hmm. sit down for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of part of the, the training. Mm-hmm. I make it sound easy. <laughs> Obviously that takes, that takes a little time, yeah. but, but that's, that's gen, you know, genuinely kind of moves that way. As for becoming, you know, I, I think a lot of people worry about losing their personality and becoming some sort of like grey zombie in the world, kind well, of I free think, from emotion. Yeah. You said something so beautiful in this TED Talk I watched, which was that um, you said, I think the present moment is underrated. It seems so ordinary, but we spend so little time there that's anything but ordinary. And that just resonated so much with me because I think part of my, not just losing my personality, but I'm like scared to stop and look around because I'm like, what if I don't like it? What if it's boring? I have to like kind of separate myself from this ego that's always telling all these stories. Creating judgment. Yeah. And like a scale. Yeah. Or just making things like a fantasy, you know? And like the reality is just what it is. (laughs) I mean, I always encourage people to base it on their own experience. I mean, I could sit here all day and bore you guys to death with talk about meditation, you know, but as if we're Americans by virtue of the fact that you have an English accent, we're just like, wow, awesome. Let's wow. go. Wow. Wow. I'd be like, read me the encyclopedia. <laughs> I actually would love that. No, <laughs> no I, I don't know. I, I just, I just think it's really important that, that, that you try it for yourself over time and, and you learn from experience rather than, than what I have to say. I, I can only speak from my own experience and, and from the feedback we get from, you know, the community at Headspace and my old kind of colleagues, if you can call them that, back at back at the monastery. You know, the the experience is that it very much enriches one's life, personality, character, whatever you want to kind of call it. The difference is that we're no longer, as I say, kind of slaves to the thinking mind. We're no longer so easily overwhelmed by emotion. It's not that we're free from emotion. So I may, maybe I'm just not particularly enlightened, and that is very possible. But, you know, most people I know who've meditated a lot, they still experience anger, they still experience anxiety, they still experience happiness, excitement, every, the whole kind of gamut, because that is being human. Like that is part of this human condition. The difference is that when it arises, they don't get swept away by it and they don't get kind of knocked over by it or overwhelmed by it or sucked into it. There's just a little bit more kind of space. And because of that space, they're able to kind of let go of it much quicker. So rather than staying in it, stuck in it for a day, a week, a year, instead there's a sense of, huh, being present with it and allowing it to kind of work its way out of the sort of the mind out of the system, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. And I was going to sit, we have to sit with that thought and you guys, (laughs) you sit with that thought right now, but also listen to this Mm. ad. Be right back. Oh my God, Hannah Galp. How much are you loving talking to Andy? Um, 
like way too much, like an inappropriate amount. I noticed, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep trying to signal to you to like wipe the drool, but like, I know he's just, it's absolutely incredible. And it's so, so great to have um, a conversation about things that seem so hard to get to like being a monk but then really he's such a real human right no I love he always brings it back he makes it like I feel like we all come in and we're all like oh but like what about this and this and everything's so complicated and he's like it's literally just two seconds is fine oh two seconds two seconds and so guys we want to take this break we're actually not having a sponsor slot here instead uh, we would like to give a gift to you we would love 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 if you guys would go and download Headspace today you can use the promotional code earbuds and you'll be able to get Headspace today what the details of that deal are I don't know yet because I just came up with that in the middle of this episode but I'll reach out everybody was very excited everybody's very excited I'll pay for it please do it good god (laughs) I love you all so much go download headspace today and use the code earbuds to see what it does details on twitter we're back with andy Pudico. <laughs> the one of the uh, co-founders yeah. of the marvelous world changing no really just truly a, a very fantastic and approachable app to get the most hesitant of meditators into meditating even a little bit andy i'm so glad that you're here i like to do the back from the break as if it's a linear radio show even though it's just straight up a podcast like nobody just tuned in halfway through but it helps ground me um okay great so uh a a question i have Mm -hmm. you know we've talked we've we've talked about fear of losing uh, personality and like the world looking around and being like well i guess my life is boring or the thing that was keeping me from meditating uh, before, and the thing that right now is making me hesitate before just bringing, yeah. getting back in my daily practice, yeah. um, is almost like a childish, like, I want someone else to take care of me feeling. I get it. You know, I'm like, yeah. ah, I know I need to do this. Yeah. I know I'm the one, I know that this will that doing this will provide me yeah. what I need. Yeah. But it's this desire in me to yeah. just have someone else take care of something. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. all. Oh, I yeah. hear that, Petty. Do you want yeah. me to have a little word around the office? I can, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, no, look, I, I, think, I think that is it's very natural. It's very normal. Um, the bad news is that, yeah, I know. you know, <laughs> that we ultimately, it is only ourselves we the, are the, our whole universe. Well, the, yeah, like, it's, and, and no one else, no one else can take care of our mind. Even if you go and seek out a teacher in the Himalayas, they, they're not going to, f- you know, change the mind or fix the mind. Yeah. They're going to give you the the tools and the guidance so that you can take responsibility for your own mind. So the way it's framed in the Tibetan teachings, I, I found this really helpful because to begin with, I was kind of I was sort of chasing enlightenment. It was quite an sort of egocentric kind of form of monasticism and it's quite kind of normal to begin with it's kind of like okay i'm gonna do this it's quite a competitive sort of thing well yeah who wouldn't want to be one of the enlightened like right. come on yeah, yeah. i mean it's what yeah the problem the ego can turn anything into exactly right e- even that and the brilliance of this kind of this later tradition that came came along kind of maybe like about a thousand years ago was it kind of flipped the whole thing on its head and it's like every time you sit down it's not for yourself. It's for the benefit of others. If you get a bit of benefit out of it yourself along the way, great. That's nice. But that's not the intention. 
And there's something, something amazing happens because it's not that immediately that's how you feel necessarily, but by going through that on a daily basis, all of a sudden the mind starts to open up a little bit. And because that motivation is different, like it's almost like the mind's a little less tight. It kind of, so it becomes more of a gentle meditation. There's less pressure on yourself. Mm. It, it becomes more of a focus on, okay, the world around us, the, our family, our colleagues, our friends, and then our community, and then our society, and then the world. And all of a sudden, because of that, it doesn't really kind of matter. We're thinking less about ourselves, essentially. Mm -hmm. And be, when we think less about ourselves, we suffer less. Uh, we struggle less in life. Yeah. We're simply living life, you know. And, and in seeing others happy, we experience happiness. And so there's this beautiful kind of virtuous circle that begins. Wow. Uh, this, this makes me feel like I've had... I'm very much a verbal processor. Like, I love to talk. I love mm. to talk things through. It helps me focus. It helps me think. It helps me see things from new perspectives. And... A dot, just a couple dots just connected for me, which is that maybe, in fact, it's not that I want someone else to take this off my plate. It's that as someone who is the caretaker of the family, I have dependents. As someone yeah. who runs my own company, as someone who is also a, a very happy public figure who's a role model and an advocate for mental health, the queer mm -hmm. community, et cetera, like, happily so. I love it. It's the most... It's, it is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I realize now that perhaps I don't want to recharge my batteries because I don't want my batteries to be recharged. Right. You know? Oh, oh Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, yeah. you know, which, I mean, and I think that, like, I've been stuck in this thought that, like, God, why can't I get myself back into it? it must be that I just want someone else to take some, some stuff off my yeah. plate and blah, blah, blah. Or it's a reality that I know who I am when my batteries are full. Yeah. And right now I'm exhausted. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even want to replenish my battery. Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah. 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 I, do you know, there's something really interesting um, when people sit down and meditate, especially if you're doing it like in a group scenario. And I'll often say afterwards, kind of, okay, how does everyone feel? You feel okay. And um, people often put their hands up and say, I feel tired. And sometimes people say, this meditation made me feel tired. Well, the meditation didn't make <laughs> you feel tired. Meditation is just a process of awareness, a training in awareness. So it shows you how tired you were. People will often kind of put their hand up and say, it made me feel anxious. Uh, Actually, the truth is there was probably there was probably an <laughs> underlying sense of anxiety. And now you're aware of it. That's brilliant because now you can kind of work with it. When we're not aware of it, we can't even work with it. So... It takes a certain amount of kind of almost like courage, I would say, when we know we know at some level that we might be a little bit off kilter, we might be a bit depleted or whatever, or tired, mm -hmm. to actually sit down and acknowledge that because then we have to actually do something about it. Yeah. So it does require a little bit of courage, but I think it's in knowing that it can only benefit you and it can only enrich you, even if we feel a bit nervous about doing it. Yeah. I, I'd see it as a very positive thing. That is so... I mean, I really wow. think you hit the nail on the head because I'm definitely in the I feel tired camp, which yeah. is that usually after a 20 minute meditation, I take a little nap. Like yeah. I get I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I think it's that, you know, because I, I meditate regularly for about a year 
And I would say that like it was one of the best years of my life. Not yeah. gonna lie. If to put it on an unnecessary scale, it was one of the best years of my life yeah. in terms of my relationship with myself and a myriad of other things. But it is that. It's fear. I'm afraid. It's mm. like I'm afraid to get back into my practice because then I won't have the excuse of not knowing what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the it's the easier thing to do. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and be, yeah. being like numbing yourself out is just so readily available in our oh, culture. Oh, it's so yeah. encouraged in oh, so yeah. many ways. Yeah. Just <laughs> get distracted. Go to right. happy yeah. hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a dangerous yeah. <laughs> thing happy hour is, and what a counterintuitive yeah. thing where it's like, hey, is your work environment slowly killing you? Yeah. Don't worry. Go get drunk. <laughs> we, 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 we got you. Yeah, we got gotcha. you. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. worry. You got happy hour. And you're if not- you don't, yeah. people will think you're weird. <laughs> yeah. What? Do so you not true. drink? That's crazy. You're crazy yeah. then. Well, so true. I have a question. Mm. This I is lo- co- I, I, for I, Hannah Hart? I, I love that you put your hand up when you got a question. <laughs> I do. I, I like to make a little note. Yeah. Well, because yes. I wonder, Hannah Hart, if you also feel like, I know you're very selfless and 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 well <laughs> you're, i think you worry about i feel you feel guilty you oh, yeah. carry guilt oh. so i wonder if you feel selfish sometimes and i wonder if you've encountered people who say i can't meditate because that's too selfish or like yeah. i won't even give myself the time because it's yeah. taking away from others yeah. i think i think it's for me it's less about feeling selfish and more about not wanting to face the exhaustion mm. and the anger you know, because sometimes after meditating, I feel really angry. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I sh-. and I just want to meditate more. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I just want to keep going. And it's like a weird cognitive dissonance. Like, I, I just need to do, I need to time it better for myself. I need to do it in a way where like at the end of the day, yeah. I can just be quiet yeah. for the next couple hours and then go to bed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think that would be safer for me, but it doesn't feel like a selfish act. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just very much a I'm just afraid, you know. Do yeah, people do. feel selfish taking the time to meditate for themselves? Some people do. I I think it's it's a little bit of a storyline. I'm not sure that they really kind of in the depths of their you know being feel feel selfish. I think it's part of a. It's a, like that. It, I can't take time for me. It, it, right. Yeah, it, it is exactly. It's like and I'm just so. I'm just so noble. Oh, you know, I have I martyr myself a little bit, I suppose. You're like, if you were a martyr, <laughs> yes, yeah, well, no, no. Some 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 people do, and and you know, I just always, I always try and bring them back to kind of okay. So so why why do you think you don't have time to do this for yourself, and why don't you think you're kind of worth taking time out for? And then kind of just encourage them to look at their relationship so for example i know that if i take time out to to sit i'm gonna be a better husband i just know i'm gonna you know less annoying to my wife you know (laughs) and i'm gonna be a better dad i'm gonna be a bit more kind of patient with with my kids you know Mm -hmm. ultimately again it's not really about me kind of is and i do feel better as a result but it's more about the knock-on consequences it has in the world around me. Mm. And I think on the journey, like, that becomes more and more apparent. That it's mm. it's actually, it, ultimately, it's more about kind of what we're putting out into the world rather than kind mm. of what we're getting for ourselves. Mm. And that's kind of tough for us, I feel, because we're so individualistic mm. in America. And also we're taught that, like, we are the center of our story and we're so important. And, to, like, and, and it's yeah. also, I would also say that for, like... And this goes to all the caretakers out there that are self-destructively 
yeah. willfully ignorant of their own needs. Yeah. You know, to, just really die. Like it is so hard because what that happens when you, when you overgive or you, you, um, are overly selfless and you stop taking care of yourself, it breeds this kind of resentment at those yeah. around you for not stepping in and picking it up. And th- But you've taken away their options yeah. because you can't even listen to what you need. Yeah. You know? They, they even talk about that in uh, the monastery. So um, I don't, the translation kind of, it's so something like sort of skillful compassion is sort of one and sort of, I guess it, like clumsy compassion mm. maybe would be the other. And clumsy compassion is when we're just doing stuff for other people kind of all of the time. Boorish compassion. But, is there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but perhaps we perhaps we resent it. Um, perhaps we kind of don't trust them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, there's all these kind of, so it doesn't actually, maybe one could even say it's not, kind of compassion it's right. it's You're kind like, of other stuff it's protection exactly or like right? well i don't trust anybody to take care of this the way yeah. i want to take care of it it's almost like uh, it's control it's not compassion it's right. control whereas skillful compassion is i think born of born of love and mm. you know it's a different different kind of thing mm. if it helps buddy i love that you're so full of anger Thanks, man. <laughs> I just love that about you. I know. It's all there. Yeah. I think it's tough, too, because it's like the second I feel, you know, um, and uh, just for the sake of making this whole episode all about me, uh, no. uh, the the second I feel like my batteries are full, I feel an obligation. It's not guilt. It's obligation. That's it. That's the right. feeling. Are I they feel, the same? Uh, <laughs> I feel an obligation to use whatever resources I have, emotional yeah. or otherwise, immediately in the benefit of another right. or others. Yeah. And it's like an impulse. And that yeah. impulse control is like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you could call it a, an, an impulse personality trait. Like, I think it's worth looking at some, like habitual behaviors. Mm-hmm. And it might just be that we have always done that. That doesn't mean that we have to always continue kind of doing it. That sounds like really kind of bad 1980s sort of self-help. That's cool. But, but actually kind of within, within the light of awareness, kind of if you bring awareness yeah. to a situation and you see, huh, I'm doing that again. That's interesting. You can choose to engage it or you can choose to say, actually, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And to know that actually this is a journey like we can kind of measure our kind of effort over time kind of rather than kind of refueling and then binging kind of and, yeah. and then kind of and then having to refuel again because that's still a bit of a roller coaster ride it's beneficial it's better than just being exhausted the whole time but it's still kind of that up and down of life rather than can we find sort of this this place where we feel a sense of composure contentment clarity whatever you want to call it like throughout our life yeah yeah, I think that that's that's such a great frame because it it gives you, and I don't know if tools is the right word, and I'm obviously I have no idea, but uh, it gives you a more rounded understanding of the decisions that you're making. You know, like yeah. for instance, I and this kind of I think one we kind of wanted to segue into talking about this. And thank you so much for your time, Andy. We love having you here, and yeah, please never leave. <laughs> um, did you always know you're going to also be a therapist? Right? <laughs> like, uh, but you know, last week I went um, last month or last week. It was last week, but podcast timeline, whatever. <laughs> Recently <laughs> is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. This is all happening live today. Uh, I went to uh, a teen shelter in New York, and it was. Right. I've been to a lot of shelters um, 
for displaced youth and for people, you know, we don't like to use the word homeless because even in, in homeless, that saying, it takes away so much from someone yeah. to say like, you don't have a home, you know? Yeah. So I've been to a lot of shelters mm-hmm. in America and, and this one um, was just absolutely amazing. And so I went and I talked to the kids, uh, the teens, and we had this great discussion. Like the staff cried, the teens cried. I was like, yay, it was such a great day. And I was like, Hannah, you're the best. Wow, you're so great. La, 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 la. <laughs> and like the reality is also, I was paid to be there. Right. And then as we, as we left, I said uh, to my assistant coordinator person that I was with at the time, it's like, I was like, God, do I just give the money that I was paid to be here to the shelter? Like, this is so weird. That like, I get praise, I get money, I get validation, I get all these pats on the back. And it's just for obviously doing whatever it is. But that's what I think about the the self help as a business. Yeah. Or like, I'm I really, yeah, that's what really like makes me overthink. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it feels weird. It feels backwards. Somehow. So that's another thing, Andy, just to chew yeah. on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Can meditation save the world? That's yes. what we want. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a really interesting one. I, and definitely like, coming out of the monastery, there was no way in the world that I was going to charge for meditation. Like, mm-hmm. It just felt completely backwards. Backwards. Like, I just couldn't kind of relate to it as an idea. And then at some point, someone said to me, like, how are you planning to live? Like, how are you going to pay your rent? Like, what you, what food are you going to buy? And I remember starting doing one-to-one work in, in London. And and I kind of set the bar really kind of pretty low in terms of what I was going to charge. And I met someone not long after. And it was in the financial district of London. So it was quite a sort of wealthy kind of area. And they're like, nobody is going to take you seriously at that price. And And we changed the price. I say we, the royal we, me. And um, I also say yeah. we. Yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah, like, yeah. so we decided. <laughs> exactly. I'm always like, yeah, but I decided. Um, but so I, so I changed it to what I thought was a ridiculous price, and the clinic was full within like within a month. Mm. And so I think there's something about exchange of exchange of value. And Rich and I actually set when we started Headspace, we're a not for profit, and we actually found in the UK kind of charities are not seen as very progressive in in the UK um and they're quite sort of restrictive and we actually didn't feel we could do what we wanted to do uh, as that so we started to look at it more as okay so how can we have like social impact mm. whilst being a sustainable kind of commercially successful company and, and 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 i really kind of i spent a lot of time chatting through my teachers and trying to better understand the relationship it's not that money is bad which yeah it's what we choose to use with it what's our intention and can we put it to kind of good use nothing is inherently good or bad it's like what's the intention kind of behind it Mm -hmm. so that's been really helpful as a a framework for for rich and i kind of just as we've gone on the journey and the whole team i think to to know that both they're not mutually exclusive it's a weird Mm. quality marker that we have it's a fiction of quality that we have created as a people and as a society to assign things that ah things that cost more have better value and whether like and maybe the exchange is that you know maybe for that maybe for that it wasn't the center that paid me it was um a brand i was with at the center feeding doing a lunch thing and uh the lunch it was very like there was like no branding in it. It was actually an amazing event. Um, but it's almost like by virtue of the fact that it's been paid for, yeah. people are more willing to accept it. 
more willing to like take it in and yeah. feel like okay with it. They're like, oh, well, I paid for this, so it must be real. Or I paid for this, so I better use it. Yeah. Which is, man, man, man. It's a strange, it's a strange, <laughs> strange world, world right? we live in. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Sorry. Really. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I was just going to say, I have this thought, just a thought. Yeah. I'm recognizing it now. Because um, <laughs> I was thinking. Don't let it go. <laughs> follow, follow through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's say everyone sat down for 10 minutes a day and meditated. And maybe, maybe this is just all or nothing thinking. But yeah. I think, uh. And everyone like kind of learned to live a little bit better. But then like who cares if we're just all gonna continue to destroy the world and oppress people? Like, Are you really asking Andy about oblivion? Are we just getting better at, like like let's say everyone in yeah. Silicon Valley meditates all the time and then they're like I'd rather cool. everyone in DC meditated all the time. Okay, everyone in DC meditated <laughs> yeah. all the time. So they could use that to make money better. Or like I don't know. Yeah, like, so I know you you, you brought this up earlier right kind of around businesses and stuff and mm-hmm. and do some of them use it just to improve the bottom line and kind of look i think so we work with hundreds and hundreds of businesses and having been into lots of them i think i think they all do have different intentions i think my hope is my belief is that most of them gen i think they recognize actually now they have an obligation and responsibility apart from anything else they have to provide a safe place for work Mm -hmm. um i think some of them are real stars and they actually genuinely want their team to be happy Mm -hmm. i think some of them want their team to be more productive Mm -hmm. and then at the other end of the spectrum perhaps there are some who are purely kind of motivated by uh the bottom line i have to say in all my time, I've never met a company, at least who's expressed that kind of honestly to, to me. So I don't know if, if, if it is a real kind of thing. I get that that could be a, a concern for some mm. people. To begin with, I was really worried about that. And then again, over time, I think I'm more interested that people begin the journey. And exactly. And if you introduce it to an entire team, thousands and thousands, maybe sometimes tens of thousands of people, all those people are on their own journey. They don't mm. care what their why their boss kind of bought it for them. It's not <laughs> like, oh, I can only do this if I'm going to be more productive. Mm-hmm. They just notice that all of a sudden they're being a little more kind of caring with their loved ones or mm. they're listening to their colleagues a little bit more or they're experiencing more collaboration at work. They don't really kind of care why it was so you almost can't drop it in like that from from above in a in a large business. Mm-hmm. So I get more excited about them just doing it, mm-hmm. yeah. and then everybody going on their own kind of individual journey. Mm. Oh, cool. Mm. I would just love for companies to be like, you know what? We realized uh, we can't just make more money every single year, year after year after year. <laughs> I know, That's right? Actually yeah. a At some point, unnatural yeah. thing that does not occur yeah. in nature. It's wild, right? Some I, will be up, some will be down. Let's just accept that. People get yeah. a lot. Like I don't know if it's the way you know we're. I don't know if it's the way hu- the human brain has biologically developed or what. But people get so much comfort from the linear and this idea of just like goal check go yeah. forward blah blah and like it's it's a it's a it's an interesting line to draw because as yeah. you know a society as we have so much abundance like and resources yeah. and this and that and not everyone in society has the same amount but we all have i mean humanity has really come a long way you know <laughs> the idea of well what do we do with it yeah i feel like it's something that rejects the present it's like 
we're just here right now and this is what we're doing with mm-hmm. it. And if we assign a goal that doesn't exist in the future, like that future's not even there. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's an interesting one. I so like, there's different ways of kind of looking at it. The, the way that I think about this is that we can absolutely be present while still reflecting skillfully on the past or planning for the future. It's just, again, whether we kind of get caught up in that and we actually start living in the future in in our minds. So I always think about it of, okay, so we're in the present. We set our intention. Our intention is is simply, is, is just that. It kind of sets our direction. It If our happiness and the happiness of society is dependent on that, then I think we're setting up really kind of unrealistic expectations and we're probably going to be quite disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can have that as a direction and a sense of purpose in life and we can all kind of move in that direction, recognizing that things are going to happen along the way, which might shift that intention kind of a little bit, but at least it gives us a sense of meaning and purpose and direction in life, but without being attached to a particular outcome or goal, I feel like then it can be really healthy. Yeah, I, I love that. God, the value of purpose at all might be good for people to have. Yeah. <laughs> Who does Who thought, thought right? that maybe oh, no. people wouldn't Crazy. so uh, yeah insistently take from others? Um, and uh, yeah, I am. I'm elated and honored and so so happy to have had your company and to have had your 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 thinking and I'm so glad that you and Rich got together and decided to make this app and that you pushed through or that you worked through the fears yeah. of what is profit versus not profit yeah. or what is this and this because I really think it has grown to be an incredibly powerful and incredibly accessible tool truly Thanks. So and thank you guys. Good for, job, Andy. Thanks everybody. for having me in. Thank yeah. you very much. Hannah Gelb, oh, I wish you could just stay all day. I mean, this is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can move some meetings. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we really have your ex girlfriend to thank for all of this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She's where the is she? You know? Yeah. Where is she Everything now? She, connects. She's she, like, I didn't think he would come back. <laughs> she, she's in She's in the UK. I, I saw her. She just, I saw her last, um, uh, last summer. Ah. Um, and she's like, I mean, she said, it's, it's a good job that I still like you. She said, because wherever I go, oh you're, you're there. She said, my friends are doing Headspace. She oh said, she works in health and fitness. She's like, wherever you, wherever I go, you're there. So uh, we I, still get on well. Oh, that's great. I that's absolutely, nice. absolutely love that. Um, I'm so elated. I Yeah. Is there anything else, Hannah, or anything uh, no, I think, I, think feel good? I mean I'm good. Yeah, I feel good too. Yeah. Do you know? I, thank you so much for having me. In. The the one thing I I'd love, whether it's it's you or people kind of tune into the podcast, is I mean, no matter what you kind of think about meditation, and no matter kind of the thoughts that kind of pop up that try and dissuade you from from trying it, I'd really encourage anyone kind of who's even kind of just vaguely interested, like just. Just try it for 10 days. Like, don't do it for one day because if you do anything just once, I mean, you just don't know how you're feeling that day. And do it over 10 days. Do it consistently and just see if it makes a difference. And I think for most people, when they've done it for a few days, they really start to to kind of notice. And for some people, it's a bit more calm. For some, it's clarity. For some, it's contentment. And some, it's compassion. But if you get even one of those Cs, I mean... That's that's good going. That's the big C's. Hey, if you can do 
pressed white strips for 10 days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I, do it at the same time. Do it at the same time. Do it at the same oh time. Yes. I absolutely, absolutely love that. For those of our earbuds, which is what we call our wonderful, magnificent listeners, um, who are listening, where could people get Headspace? Is it, is it available uh, in the App Store is it, and Google Play? Where? What's your... In all of those places. Everywhere. It's, it's yeah. and, 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 on, and on our website as can well. People can, can people go to headspace.com? People can go to headspace.com as well. Um, and really, just check it out for yeah. delightful cartoons. I don't know who Lots those. of animations. So great. Yeah, we did We did another whole batch last year. I think now we have we have about an hour and a half kind of, of, of animations in and, the bank. And if you've oh. enjoyed listening to Andy's voice at all, you will love Headspace. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a Do we have a treat for you? For you? <laughs> awesome. Andy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks again, guys. As always, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, rate, review, subscribe to analyze this. Oh, but wait. Actually, Analyze This is taking a little bit of a break for the holiday season. Uh, we'll be back in a bit. Uh, we're taking a little break hmm. for the next couple weeks. That's right. We're going to recharge. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, but we'll see you guys in 2019 and revisit your favorite episodes. Share with friends. Love you lots. Have a great day. And feel free to um, uh, talk to us on the interwebs. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Bye for now.